you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Randy here. And I wanted to let you guys know about something that I made for you. It's called the Badass Mom's Guide for a Happier Household. And it is an ebook that you will download and you'll be able to write in. And it's got all kinds of tips and tools and some of my favorite exercises so that you can get on the road to taking action and really creating a happier household. I wanted to offer this to you because I know a lot of you are looking for resources and really struggling right now. So go ahead and download my free guide. It's called The Badass Mom's Guide for a Happier Household. And you go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash free guide. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash free guide. Hope you enjoy it. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. So welcome to this week's podcast. I have an amazing guest that I want to introduce to all of you guys. Her name is Karen Anderson. She is the author of Difficult Mothers, Adult Daughters, A Guide for Separation, Liberation, and Inspiration. And she's an advice columnist on Patreon, where she marries her love of writing and her life coaching skills to help women in difficult mother-daughter relationships set healthy boundaries and learn to re-mother themselves. So welcome to the show, Karen. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Okay. So I asked Karen to kind of come up with an intention for the show. And it's so good because she's such an amazing writer and an authentic person that I want to read it to you guys. So, so she said, so often women go into motherhood unconsciously carrying the generational patterns, including emotional trauma and wounds of their maternal lineages. I mean, speaking my language there, like that's what we do. We pass them down, pass the patterns down from generation to generation. And then she says, and even if they are, are aware, they might now know how to deal with it in a healthy way. Many times women go into motherhood saying something like, all I know is that I'm not going to be like my mother. Then they focus all their attention on their children while ignoring themselves and not understanding that the patterns are still running the show. Not funny how they show up. They think they, we think they're so different, but they're there. My intention for our interview is to explore what's possible when we bring compassion to the equation instead of blame and shame. Yes, 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 yes. I wrote about um, a mom in my book who swore she was doing it differently than her mom 
and she had a real, she had this, she was your ideal person, your ideal reader who you wrote your book for really. And, um, and she was doing it all very differently in her mind than her mom. And on the surface, it looked different. And when we dug in, I did this kind of eight week program at one point I was kind of playing around with, um, um, becoming the mother I wish I had. That's what it was. And, um, and we did this eight week program and, and as we dug in, she realized that even though it looked different, it was the same overbearing pattern where she was somehow kind of living vicariously through her daughter, pressuring her daughter to perform. Um, she had learned this kind of more progressive language. So it was almost like sneakier, like it didn't, <laughs> you know, like, and, and her daughter was shutting down, shutting her out, all of a sudden tanking in school, almost like subconsciously sabotaging her own success because she could tell her mom wanted it too badly. Mm-hmm. And, and this particular client, she was very resentful because her mom, she had been this major overachiever and, and a phenomenal tennis player and a phenomenal student. And she really wanted to go to the University of Texas and play tennis. And her mom um, had her uh, apply to all these really prestigious colleges up east. And, um, and she ended up getting in, of course, because she had the resume to back it. And her mom basically made her college decision for her. Mm. And, and she ended up going, and after a year she did end up transferring to the school she wanted to go to and playing tennis and doing all those things. But that experience of, I busted my ass my whole life. I worked so hard in high school and she made my decision for me. And I didn't have the confidence to stand up to her at that time. And so I went and, um, and there was so much resentment there about that. And what she realized was, um, she had phrased it like she was giving her daughter all these choices, but really she always had this agenda behind it. And her daughter, you know, these kids, they're like truth barometers. They're like freaking detectives, right? And, um, and the daughter was kind of like, yeah, I'm calling BS on that. So the daughter who's super bright, super athletic, and very similar to this woman, right? She, um, she started sabotaging her own success because she just could taste that her mom wanted it too badly. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Well, I would love, because I read your writing so much, I would love any kind of insight or anything you want to fill us in on your own journey and kind of where you are right now. Um, Okay, it's interesting because as you were telling that story, I I thought of my stepdaughter. And I just wanted to, I guess I'll say that up front is that I, first of all, I don't have my own children. I never wanted children. Um, I did marry a man who has three kids. Mm -hmm. They're all adults now. But I remember when my stepdaughter was like 12, 13, 14, um, and, and on through high school, she um, was a star gymnast. And um, we would go to the gymnast, the gymnastics meets. And I remember the first time she, I don't know, she aced a, like her balance beam routine or something. And, you know, we were all just like freaking out and so excited. And, and it was, it was only in hindsight that I saw we all, all of us, my, my husband, 
myself and her mother were putting this pressure on. And then the next time, she actually kind of flubbed her routine almost on purpose. And it was just such a lesson at the time, mm -hmm. you know, and that was what, 20 years ago or however long ago it was. But um, so anyway, where I'm at is um, I'm writing uh, another book. Um, it's not self-help. It's um, I don't even really want to call it a memoir. I don't know what even to call it at this point, but it's a series of essays and stories mm -hmm. um, about my maternal lineage and about the decisions that um, I made, my mother made, and my grandmother made in the five years after they graduated or that we graduated from high school. And a lot of it having to do with having had children when I don't think my mother and my grandmother really truly wanted to have children, but like couldn't even imagine having that option mm -hmm. or being even consciously able to say, I don't really think I want children. Mm. Um, and that's just a, it's a fascinating subject to me. So I'm sort of delving into that. Um, but then, you know, in terms of where I've been and, and why I do the work that I do is that, um, it really wasn't until I was a young adult that I started to feel friction with my mom. Um, and, um, in the beginning it sort of showed up like we were best friends and, but in hindsight, I see that it was very unhealthy because she had, she had divorced my stepfather and I was just getting out of college and we lived together. And it's like, she wanted to, us to be girlfriends and to like go out to nightclubs together and whatnot. And, um, I was somewhat shy and wanted to have kind of an exciting, more exciting life. And so this was like, it was kind of exciting, you know? Um, and, but as I, as I, you know, grew and sort of moved on with my life and had friends and boyfriends and jobs and whatnot, um, anytime that I pulled away slightly, she pulled me back mm. and I didn't see the dysfunctional dynamic of that at the time. Um, and when I eventually married my husband, um, I was almost 35 when we got married and that's when it really started to go south. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I guess in hindsight, I see that um, perhaps she, it was sort of a misery loves company kind of thing mm -hmm. and the happier and healthier and more successful I became, the angrier she got. Mm. And did she, do you, do you feel, did you feel like she needed you to need her? Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would use those words because she wasn't, um, super maternal, um, mm -hmm. at least now in the, the way that I experience what a sort of true maternal nurturing, um, relationship is like I, it, she's not, um, but I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really understand that, um, but yeah, I, to be honest, I really don't know what she needed me to do at the time. But um, all I know is I wasn't doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. at the end of 2010, 
we sort of had a massive falling out and um, I was done. And that's kind of when it started in a way. And I, you know, was, I had started a blog, uh, you know, in 2009 and it was all sort of about exploring myself and my body and um, issues that I had around self-acceptance, which although I don't think I really used those words then and you know, somewhere along the line, I decided life coaching would be a fun thing to do. And I, I got that training. And it was, it was through the training that all of this really became clear to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if anybody, if your listeners know about life coaching, they know that it's all about the niche. And so I said, Oh, okay, you know, my niche will be the difficult mother daughter relationship. And she, and so do you think that that really was like, what did it in terms of she just couldn't accept that she, I mean, that kind of was your, that was you taking a stand and her being like, yeah, now I'm, this is very personal and it's become like, I don't know. Tell me. Yeah. So, um, I have a cat here and the cat's moving. Um, she, it's interesting because it, in, in the, in right after 2010, Um, you know, as I said, I kind of cut her off and we didn't really have any, um, contact at all. Although interestingly in 2012, I became her mother's legal guardian. So my grandmother was still alive at the time Mm. and, um, my mother and her mother did not have a good relationship at all. So I became my grandmother's legal guardian and, um, although she wasn't really sick, she was old and frail and there was just a lot of decisions that needed to be made. And so in that role, I was required to be in contact with both with her and her siblings. Mm. So really the only real way that I was in contact with her. Um, and you know, somewhere around in that time frame, <laughs> I'll never forget this. She sent me a letter and asked me what I was going to do to fix this, fix the mm-hmm. situation. And I was just starting to scratch the surface of like life coaching, right? And so I'm like using all of this, like all these tools and like, well, you know, your feelings are your feelings and they're coming from your thoughts. And like, you oh know. gosh. And she was like, what is this mumbo jumbo you're talking to yeah. me about? <laughs> You've gone off the deep end. You're nuts. Yeah. And, and yeah. And so it was interesting because... Um, we kind of had this, you know, wobbly back and forth for a while. And she then decided to, ha- to be like, yeah, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it, it and it, it's, you know, again, like you, you had mentioned earlier about me doing my own work, like constantly mm-hmm. and like sharing it, um, you know, in my book and stuff, I mean, I tell stories about how, you know, like when I finally decided to go see her, you know, I don't even remember what year it was. It was before the other book came out, but, um, you know, and, and I was hopeful and sent her an email and said, do you want to have another visit? And she's like, no, I don't see the point. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. You make me uncomfortable. And I'll never forget like the process that I went through in that moment of receiving that email. Mm-hmm. where at first it was like, oh my God, you know, mommy doesn't love me. Like little girl feeling rejected, mm-hmm. you know, and then right into, well, 
F you too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> defensive. Yeah. 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 Defensive teenager, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, then I kind of went into like the evolved, you know, I'm above this. Yeah. 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 And then I was like, okay, wait a minute. Like, who do I want to be when I, if I respond to her right now? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just want to be myself and I want to be, you know, a grown ass woman. Mm-hmm. And so I hit respond and I just said, all right, well, let me know if you change your mind. Wow. You know, and that was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And like, um, so that's kind of the place that I have been uh, inhabiting. Mm-hmm with my mom over the past, however many years now it's been. And, you know, it's not always easy, mm-hmm. um, but it's worth it. It's worth my growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about something that's interesting and it might just be interesting to me because it's in my family lineage, but I, I love studying people and studying patterns of people and this whole idea of how things pass down generationally um, until we, are aware and, and we change it, which I think is, that's what's so cool and inspirational to me is that regular people like us can literally change our family legacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just recognizing that here's a pattern that's been passed down. It doesn't feel particularly healthy or good and um, enough, like enough. I'm going to, I'm going to work and do it differently. The girl with the overbearing mother, um, a lot. I think maybe her identity a lot of times becomes victim, and mm-hmm. then she chose. She chooses her partner, who's overbearing in a very familiar, similar way. You know, unconsciously, of course, as her mother, and then she just continues to relive that narrative. Totally, I, that was totally me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's interesting when we talk about um, victimhood and something that, um, a term that, um, I like is victim consciousness mm-hmm. and it's a hard subject to talk about because, um, it, it's triggering for a lot of people because we don't want to think of ourselves as victims. And we know that there are truly our victim. There are people who are victimized every single day. Yeah. And because of our weird relationship to it, we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to sort of, um, talk about it in a way that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And, Or if you want, um, uh, there's a woman um, who I adore the way she writes about it. Her name is Lynn Forrest. Mm. And I can, you know, for this episode, I can send you her information. You can include it in the show notes or whatever. But um, yeah, and and it's interesting because she talks about it from the perspective of um, that we, everyone is born into what she calls a starting gate position of either you're the victim, you're the rescuer, or you're the the villain. Mm. And in fan, so, you know, this victim consciousness plays out in families and, and in the greater world. But um, you might wonder, like, how could a baby be born into the villain starting gate position? Mm-hmm. Well, if the mother doesn't want this child, mm-hmm. right, now she's stuck, you know, and now, now, now she's, she's being victimized by, mm-hmm. <laughs> by this baby, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, how could a baby be a rescuer? Well, you know, the the mother thinks, oh, having this child is going to save my marriage or, you know, whatever it is that she's placing on this baby. So yeah, anyway, I, uh, Lynn Forrest can do that subject. Um, That's so interesting. And I, yeah, I could see how like 
my dad had was the villain. I mean, his mother was literally pregnant um, with him. I think May, I don't know if it was just after liberation, but he was born May 25th, 1946 in mm. like the first Jewish baby born in a deported person's camp in Germany. Wow. And, um, and so she was, you know, she was like 16 years old, 16 or 17 mm. years old, married to a, a man 10 years older, like an arranged marriage. Um, and it was just from the very beginning, you know, here she was just out of the camp and now she has a baby to care for. Right. Exactly. And I could, yeah, that makes sense. You know, and I think the interesting thing about, it is funny. I, um, not funny. The term victim and that whole victim narrative. Um, yeah, it feels insensitive to even use that word because any woman that I have known who grew up with a relationship with their mom, like you did, um, like that to all of a sudden call her a victim and she has the victim narrative and now she chooses an overbearing husband. Like she's not doing any of that consciously. And the truth of the matter is she needs support and love. Like she's never gotten in her life. And so now all of a sudden to be like, yeah, you have a victim narrative. Like that sounds so flipping insensitive, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so I completely agree that it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like a nice term. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I, I don't know what term we can use and understanding that it is that exists um, probably because of the systems that we have in the world that are screwed up. Um, but what's nice is that Lynn Forrest offers a different paradigm, mm-hmm. right? So in the victim, there's the victim consci- consciousness, and then she offers what's called observer consciousness. Mm. Where the victim becomes the observer mm-hmm. and the villain becomes the asserter. And the rescuer becomes the nurturer. Mm. And as she also explains that the villain and the rescuer are basically exaggerated versions of a victim. So they're all victims mm-hmm. and they just play out this, you know, thing. And, and, and it's interesting because like I have totally seen my mother and I go around. It's the, called the triangle sometimes too. The triangle where like, you know, I'm the victim and she's the villain and then the, the victim then gets so angry that the villain or the victim becomes the villain, uh-huh. you know, and then sometimes you're trying to rescue each other, which rescuing energy is not helpful. It's, you know, it just keeps the dynamic going. And right. I've seen my mother and I just go like round and round and round on that. Um, so, yeah. It's so, it's so interesting to also kind of, like I have this tool that I teach people called reverse the curse where when you have identified as the victim and you really have a story that anyone, you know, if you told anyone the story, they're like, Oh my goodness, that is terrible for you. Um, But at the end of the day, it keeps you in that narrative and it doesn't feel empowering. And so this tool that I made up, um, called reverse the curse is really all about um tracing the roots back of the um of the villain i would to use that terminology so the villain in your life you trace the roots back and you uncover their story Mm -hmm. so that ultimately you can see their behavior 
differently because you understand it's really not about you. It's really about their own wounded, you know, their own unfinished business and their own wounds that are still unhealed. And that's to bring it around to the intention, right? Compassion. Mm-hmm. That's why compassion is such a powerful force mm-hmm. when we can really understand it and apply it because it's only, well, first I had to develop compassion for myself, which was hard, but I did. And then being able to have true compassion for my mother and to see her wounds and to not try to fix them. Mm-hmm right? And just to let her be who she is and, you know, be able to feel that it's a warm feeling rather than a defensive, angry feeling. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, have really good boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Like understanding, understanding where it all comes from and, and having compassion about it just because you have compassion also doesn't mean that you have to have a super close connected relationship. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people, I know I was afraid of that in the beginning. I, you know, I, someone suggested to me, well, what would it like to just feel love for your mother? I'm like, I can't do that. Like I need to protect myself because I saw love as like rolling over and letting her take advantage of me. Right. Right. That's not love. (laughs) Right. At all. And it's like, it's like having compassion and, and love from afar and understanding. And while at the same time, also having boundaries, right. Yeah. And, and, and being okay to love someone from afar, if that, what, if that's what feels healthiest for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, like, I think the other person feels that. Like, I think that, I think they feel it. I think they get it. Um, And it's interesting how that kind of plays out because I don't know, I've talked to women about it before who have super overbearing mothers and it's really getting in the way of how they're raising their kids. Um, The mom is constantly coming over and telling them how to do things and on their shoulder and you're doing it wrong and criticizing and... Um, and the daughter doesn't know how to have a boundary, but it's a constant um, f- feeling of like resentful and snappiness and snarkiness and tension. And, um, and it doesn't feel good for anyone. Right. And, um, and so, and I've, and I, I love sending these people your way because I'm like, this is not my area of expertise. I can share with you what, you know, what's, what. I think would be helpful, but let me send you to the person who really knows how to deal with this. Um, But I think whenever I tell people, I'm like, guess what? You can change your relationship with your mom and she doesn't even have to know. Exactly. Right? Like you don't even have to have a conversation with her. We can help you reverse the curse, change your thoughts, have compassion, do all this stuff. And you never even have to have that super awkward, uncomfortable conversation with her. It's hard for people to grasp, I find. Right. It's magic, though. It and is. it's like, I'll never forget, you know, when I'd seen it in action in myself with my mother, mm-hmm. like, I think I, to- I told you earlier that, like, you know, at one point she kind of pushed me away. And I-, I think it was because she's like, what? Like, who is this person? I think it blew her mind on some level. And it, of course, it made her uncomfortable. And because I had changed the dynamic and it's not like I was saying things to her, you know, like, okay, I have boundaries now, mom. Like I wasn't saying that. Um, And so, yeah. And it, and 
it's scary though. It's scary when you change the dynamic. And, you know, I, I think a lot of women fear place because, because of what happened to me, right? Mm -hmm. My mother said, no, thanks for now. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and to put yourself in, in the, you know, having that risk of, of your mother rejecting you basically, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's and that can feel like that can feel terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that's like the ultimate thing. I think that's the ultimate fear is being rejected by the people that you love most in the world you know, mm -hmm. or, and have had, I mean, look, to be rejected by your own mom, uh, thank goodness you were a grown woman and ha were digging in and doing your own work and, in, and a life coach when it happened, because if it had happened. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I'm here right now. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like that's, that's pretty scary stuff. I also think it's interesting that you did your own work and it's almost like the, um, like the art of surrender. Like you did your own work and you kind of just surrendered to the process and lo and behold, she pushed you away, which at the end of the day was probably the healthiest thing for you, right? It was Yeah. Well, I had, as I said, I had pushed her away, you know, at the end of 2012, 10 and, and we didn't really have any contact and um, the difference between then and then after I started learning these tools and practicing these things was that right afterwards, I was still in victim mode. I was still like, listen to my sad story and look what my mother did to me now. And can you believe she said this? And, you know, anger and just drama, lots of drama. Mm -hmm. And when I started practicing what I know now, um, that drama went away. And it, what's interesting is that I think my mom liked the drama. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was our dynamic, was the drama. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when I stopped being, you know, a drama queen, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, um, you know, that's, that then came that rejection. And what I, I wanted to say something about that and, and how it literally feels in our bodies when we set boundaries and, and you know, doing those, these new patterns that we're not used to doing and that are scary because really in the deep part of our brains, even though we are adults, we are, this is still our mother and our mother brought us into the world and we relied on her to keep us alive. Mm -hmm. Right. And her approval and love and, you know, acceptance of us was what kept us alive. And so in the back of our minds, if, if our mothers reject us, basically I'm going to die, mm -hmm. even though it's not true. Mm -hmm. that's why it's so scary when we stand up to our mothers or, you know, you can understand it on a conscious level, but deep within your brain, the oldest part of your brain, yeah. it's, it, it's primal. Yeah. It's scary. And it literally feels like, like survival. Like exactly. I'm going to die this. Right. Right. So, um, Wow. Okay. Amazing. I am going to put in the show notes, all of the links and um, the link to your book, the link for people to be able to sign up for your weekly love notes, the link to, um, uh, what's her name? Forrester. What? 
the woman that you were that Lynn Forrest. Yeah, Lynn Forrest. Uh, the link to Lynn Forrest, uh, so that everybody can um, dig into all these amazing resources. This, I thought this was so great to talk to you. Such a rich conversation. And it's the kind of thing. Every time I do one of these, it's like we can talk about this for so long. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, yeah. I, I, it's like it's too, it's too big an issue, and. Yeah and too, too deep. And for the people that are listening where this is their situation, I know that like they want every ounce of anything we can share with them. It just feels like too big of an issue to have like a little quick conversation about. So thank you for digging in with me and okay. Um, Okay. Listeners until next week, hope you enjoyed the conversation with Karen and uh, would love to hear from you. Have a great week. Hey podcast listeners, it's Randy here and I wanted to let you guys know about something that I made for you. It's called the Badass Mom's Guide for a Happier Household and it is an ebook that you will download and you'll be able to write in and it's got all kinds of tips and tools and some of my favorite exercises so that you can get on the road to taking action and really creating a happier household. I wanted to offer this to you because I know a lot of you are looking for resources and really struggling right now. So go ahead and download my free guide. It's called The Badass Mom's Guide for a Happier Household. And you go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash free guide. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash free guide. Hope you enjoy it.